Conflicts driven by nationalism, ideologies, and cultures have become all too common. These are made all the more dangerous when governments and institutions confront radicalization and the often violent extremism it entails. What can psychological science tell us about the causes and mental processes that push people from activism to radicalization? This is Charles Blue with the Association for Psychological Science, and you're listening to Under the Cortex. To shine some light on what drives people to radicalization, I have with me Kees Vandenbos with Utrecht University, an expert on the study of radicalization. Uh, my name is Kees van den Bos. I'm a uh, professor of social psychology uh, at the psych department at Utrecht University in the Netherlands. And I combine it with a part-time affiliation in holding a chair at a law school focusing on empirical legal science. Your research focuses on how people become radicalized and what leads to extremist behavior, particularly the concept of unfairness. Can you explain a bit about your work and how these ideas come together? Yes, uh, certainly. Uh, well, first of all, it's important to focus on what precisely does the concept of radicalization entail. And uh, we uh, psychologists uh, find it very important to view of radicalization as a process. A process in which, uh, for instance, normal citizens uh, go out and vote in uh, democratic elections. And when they think, well, the, uh, there need to be uh, some radical changes, they can uh, engage in all uh, sorts of activist kind of behaviors. And activists normally stay within the boundaries of the law. They try to change uh, things in society in dramatic ways, but most of the times in non-violent ways, staying within the boundaries of law. Importantly, when you break the law in deliberate terms, and, you, and especially when you do so by means of violence, then we are talking about extremist behaviors. And we talk about uh, we focus on violent extremism when you break the law in violent uh, ways. And when you go even a step further and you break the law in violent ways because you want to uh, spread the word and spread your ideology or spread your radical uh, religion, we talk ab uh, about terrorism. And, and so dis distinguishing between uh, activists, uh, extremists, violent extremists and terrorists is an important uh, thing. And what we notice uh, when we, uh, for instance, uh, study left-wing radicalization, right-wing radicalization, or Muslim radicalization, we see that most uh, types of radicalization start out with an impression that things are not fair. Uh, for instance, how my group is being treated is really not fair. These newcomers in society are getting a much better uh, deal than uh, I am and that my group is, is getting. Or, for example, and so then we are talking about group deprivation uh, oriented, focused on another group, for example, newcomers in society. We, you can also see instances of group deprivation that people think, well, all important authorities in society are not giving my, me and my group enough respect and, and not giving me and my group uh, sufficient uh, treatment. This is really unfair how politicians, uh, how the government are, are looking at us, are treating us is really uh, unfair. So these are also instances of group deprivation, but more oriented towards the elite, towards important societal authorities. 
for example, uh, those in Washington DC are treating us in a really bad uh, manner, for example. But it could also be that those who are able to give us a job as uh, jobs as employers are not uh, taking us seriously. So these are uh, this is also an instance of group deprivation, but then more vertically oriented, upwards focused toward important societal authorities. Besides group deprivation, we also see uh, other instances of unfairness, injustice, and immorality, especially that people think, well, important principles here are violated in blatant ways. And how, for example, the rights of uh, those who seek asylum here in this country or how we are treating uh, animals in bio-industry, for example, is such, uh, uh, such unfair, is so immoral. Therefore, I'm in my right to do something about it. And when the law says I cannot do that, it, that's uh, totally irrelevant. So we see that uh, there are differences between various groups uh, engaged in radical uh, behaviors, but unfairness concerns play an important role in some sort. There seems to then be a difference between the radicalization that's based on pushing an ideology and that of this unfairness. One is founded in an outrage or a hurt, and the other is more of a moral obligation that someone may have misplaced. Am I missing a point? Could you distinguish between those two just a little more? Uh, what we see is that uh, there are definitely uh, important cases of group-based um, uh, unfairness uh, that is driving uh, the radicalization processes of, the, of those who engage with these radical uh, groups. Um, uh, what we also see is that uh, others are uh, uh, basically fueled by uh, moral principles being uh, violated and those uh, are quite often more individualistic kind of uh, uh, behaviors uh, of people who want to uh, change uh, what is wrong in society and in the world. Uh, ideology and religion can play an important role, uh, especially because it's important to realize that when you think something is unfair, it basically starts out with a general feeling, a gut feeling, uh -huh, this is fishy, this is wrong, something is wrong here. And then uh, you uh, encounter by some means uh, some information, for example, by means of radical ideology or radical religion or some other ways on, on the internet, for example, people or ideas explaining in precise terms what is wrong here and also what you can or should do about it. So it's really an appraisal process. Uh, it first starts out with a gut feeling, hey, this is uh, wrong, but I don't know exactly wh what is wrong. And then you uh, en encounter some uh, people or some ideologists or uh, 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 extreme versions of religions, for example, uh, that explain to you, okay, well, this, precisely this is wrong and this is what you should do uh, about it and this this drives people's uh, thoughts they now know what is wrong and what they should do about it so it also drives their behaviors so in both cases there's this cognitive dissonance of either something is wrong or i have been wronged and now they through radicalization have a means to resolve that for themselves yeah, that, that's true. I would not call it cognitive dissonance, I, I guess, but but it it is uh, there is a uh, definitive appraisal process going uh, on that uh, 
radical movements uh, tell you, inform you what is wrong and what you should do about it. Well, that takes me to my next question and that what perceived benefits do people get that causes them to be radicalized? What's in it for them? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think what, what is in, in it for them is precisely that a radical movement informs them, okay, well, this is how you should look at the world. So this gives them certainty. This gives them a clear worldview on how to, uh, to look at the world and uh, also important information on how to behave. Uh, and this uh, certainty is, is something that people really uh, like thinking in black and white terms, okay, well, this is wrong and this is right, is also very nice. It's uh, attractive for a lot of people, especially those who are not that uh, well grounded in society or who are are uncertain about themselves, for example. Then uh, these rigid forms of thinking can have nice uh, aspects. Also, uh, in radicalization, quite often the affiliation with uh, radical extreme groups or um, uh, radical extreme ideology is really nice because it, it gives you a, a, sor- a source of identification. You belong now some uh, to a unique group uh, with close boundaries. You belong to it. Many others don't uh, belong to that uh, group. And that also feels really nice. It, it, it gives a, a sense of uniqueness. A sense of belonging, then. You become part of a group. It's part of your identification and how you self-identify. Yeah, exactly. In the most recent APS President's column in The Observer, Shinobu discusses the radical divide. That's his theme. And in it, he touches on the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol, which is still being examined very thoroughly here in the United States. What examples of radicalization were at play in that particular event? Yeah, you uh, you see some uh, various interesting uh, things, and uh, you are right. This is work in progress, so we uh, probably will uh, find out much more detail uh, in the upcoming weeks or months. Uh, what you see is this was taking place in a, in a context where there was a strong uh, uh, instances of societal polarization. Uh, uh, huge uh, electoral uh, fights going on in the United uh, States. Um, And especially those uh, American citizens who uh, went out to uh, Washington to DC and protest, they were basically protesting against uh, things uh, that the elite uh, took away from uh, them. So uh, in their perception, it was uh, there was a, a blatant instance of unfairness being done uh, to them by important elites, and they were very uh, angry and upset about them uh, about that. And then they were told, "Okay, well, this is what you can do about it. You can now storm the Senate and uh, take your uh, right." And uh, and that is what precisely what you uh, saw. Uh, what is also uh, present, you saw also uh, instances of conspiracy thoughts. And uh, this is uh, another uh, important issue in various radicalization processes nowadays that you see some uh, people, for example, believing in QAnon or other uh, radical uh, ideas that they think, well, I, I'm really suspicious of what's going on uh, um, in our political uh, system. 
And uh, this is such, uh, uh, I'm so suspicious. Things are so unfair. Therefore, I should do now uh, something about uh, that. That, that, That's what you are seeing in Washington, D.C. I did notice leading up to that, and even during the day, some of the rhetoric that was being used and, and had been used was the term unfair. This is very unfair. Is that something that helps drive people to a tipping point from activism to radicalization? Yeah, it, it really drives them from activism or, or going out uh, and vote to uh, extremist uh, behaviors and violent extremist uh, behaviors, in fact. Uh, and what is uh, important, is if you think something is really unfair, uh, it's not that you uh, that you don't like it. No, it's really um, something immoral, unjust, and therefore you should do something about it. Uh, it, it if you have an, um, an argument, for example, with your, uh, uh, your partner, when you then think, okay, his or her behavior is really unfair, this is something really different than you don't like uh, having um, uh, some particular food at the table, right? So th- this is something, it's not valence, it's really unfairness. So that's driving people's behavior. Another issue that's very important is those. these are perceptions. Yeah? People are perceiving things as uh, unfair. But as Thomas and Thomas already is, uh, said famously in 1928, uh, if perceptions are real, they're real on their consequences. So if you think this is really unfair, it drives not only your thoughts, not only your feelings, but also your behaviors. And uh, when these behaviors turn out to be illegal or uh, violent, you don't care because you're in your right to do something about it. And this is what you were seeing, uh, I think, in Washington, D.C. I have a question about fairness as well. We can see fairness as that person feels he is not being treated unfairly, but I have no vested interest in that. I don't care. Then you can talk about something that is unfair societally, and that may cause you to feel upset about it. It's more personal. How much of this then is the unfairness being felt personally? Like this is personally unfair. It's not this vague someone else is being treated unfairly. It's not that in an election, one of the candidates was being treated unfairly. Well, that's too bad for him. Uh, The system was not working fairly well. That's the system not worried. No, the system was unfair personally to me. How much does that play into it? Yeah, that that plays an important role. So uh, when you think I have been treated in an unfair manner, it's basically, why is it so upsetting? Basically, because you think, well, uh, so society, the world I'm living in, is treating me in an un- uh, uh, unfair uh, way. So I'm being uh, treated disrespectfully, almost like an insult. Quite often in political movements, this personal experience is coupled with, let's say, a moral experience. So it's not only I uh, who uh, was treated in an unfair, uh, disrespectful uh, manner, but also my important group and those who I affiliate with so uh, strongly. So it's not only unfair, it's also immoral. And this combination is really uh, what's upsetting people, but also, well, let's say, frees them up to do something about it and to take action, radical action, perhaps even violent uh, action. And that's in a case where their lives may not change regardless of the outcome. It's not that one 
administration, one presidential administration to the other will change their day-to-day lives. They're going to go about things exactly the same. There was something else in society that is being affected. Again, they they feel unfairly treated, but again, it has no impact, direct impact on their day-to-day lives. That's a very esoteric point to be radicalized on. Yeah, uh, the, well, it, it is a big issue, uh, uh, but it, it's really, um, let's say, a cultural worldview shattering kind of experience. But you really think, okay, well, but how what's now happening is so unfair, is so immoral. It, this is not really how my societal system, how America should work. And, and therefore, this is really upsetting. It, it shatters my whole worldview of how the world should look like, and especially how my society that I love so much uh, should look like. And therefore, uh, people are getting so upset and uh, and angry, uh, and uh, are starting are attempting to uh, tempted to engage in all kinds of let's say drastic kind of uh, behaviors. To use the last few minutes we have together, I would like to take a look at. What we don't know, essentially, there, there has to be a knowledge gap somewhere or we could be more effective in this. What don't we know currently? Yeah, that's an excellent uh, point. There are many uh, knowledge gaps in the psychology of uh, radicalization. Um, one important uh, issue is when is it exactly that people decide or are tempted to move from acting primarily in nonviolent or yeah, in nonviolent manners to um, uh, breaking the law, acting in illegal and violent ways. What is it exactly that uh, moves people from uh, being activists to uh, being violent extremists? We basically don't know that uh, quite well. We can explain quite uh, quite well what what the the pool is of of those who are, uh, feel attracted towards alternative worldviews, for example, or we are very upset of what's going on in society. Uh, but what exactly determines uh, who exactly from that pool, from that subset, uh, starts to radicalize in even dramatic ways. We don't know that uh, precisely. Uh, related to that, we also don't know what's uh, distinguishing those who uh, are engaging with extremist groups towards those who are engaging uh, with uh, terrorist uh, behaviors. So what exactly moves people from activists to extremists to terrorists, those are really the uh, the holy grails in the psychology of radicalization, you could say. I'd like to thank you for your time today. It's been very enlightening and something that I'm sure will be a topic of discussion and research for many years to come. This is Charles Blue, and I've been speaking with Case Vandenbos. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. If you enjoyed the research presented in this episode, don't miss the 2021 APS Virtual Convention, May 26th through the 27th, where psychological scientists from around the globe will be sharing their research. Learn more by visiting the APS website at psychologicalscience.org.